You are listening to the IFH Podcast Network. For more amazing filmmaking and screenwriting podcasts, just go to ifhpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Bulletproof Screenwriting Podcast, episode number 327. With a short film, you can be poetic. You don't have to answer anything. You can make whatever you want. You truly have creative freedom with a short film. Taika Watiti. Broadcasting from a dark, windowless room in Hollywood, when we really should be working on that next draft, it's the Bulletproof Screenwriting Podcast, showing you the craft and business of screenwriting while teaching you how to make your screenplay bulletproof. And here's your host, Alex Ferrari. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Bulletproof Screenwriting Podcast. I am your humble host, Alex Ferrari. Now, today's show is sponsored by Bulletproof Script Coverage. Now, unlike other script coverage services, Bulletproof Script Coverage actually focuses on the kind of project you are and the goals of the project you are. So we actually break it down by three categories, micro-budget, indie film market, and studio film. There's no reason to get coverage from a reader that's used to reading tentpole movies when your movie is going to be done for $100,000. And we wanted to focus on that at Bulletproof Script Coverage. Our readers have worked with Marvel Studios, CAA, WME, NBC, HBO, Disney, Scott Free, Warner Brothers, The Blacklist, and many, many more. So if you need your screenplay or TV script covered by professional readers, head on over to CoverMyScreenplay.com. Well, guys, today on the show, we're going to talk about short films, how to make them, what's the best strategy for releasing them, can you make money with them? And much more. So our guest today is Kim Alderman, who is the author of the best-selling book, Making It Big in Shorts. Shorter, Faster, Cheaper, The Ultimate Filmmaker's Guide to Short Films. And Kim and I had a fantastic conversation about short films. As many of you know, I've released many short films. I've been in over 600 international film festivals with my shorts. Made $100,000 with my first short film, selling it on DVD. And if you want to know about that, I'll put in the show notes... Uh, links to those episodes where I explain all of that. I also tell you how not to make a $50,000 short film, which we discuss in this conversation as well. So without any further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Kim Alderman. I'd like to welcome to the show, Kim Adelman. How you doing, Kim? Hi, nice to see you. Nice to see you too. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You are. We're going to talk about something that's very dear to my heart because that's how I got my start, short films. I've and, always had uh, to talk about short films. And I have uh, an extensive amount of experience in short films. I've done many of them. I've I've made a lot of money with short films. I've been in a lot of festivals in short films. I think my shorts have probably gone into two to 300 festivals in the oh course. Gosh. It's been a lot. So I, I do understand a lot about how the marketing and selling of short films and things like that. So I'm dying to hear your perspective on everything and how we're going to get into it. So first question, though, how did you and why? Did you want to get into this business? <laughs> <laughs> I like that statement. And why? And uh, well, why? Actually, <laughs> this is why I love short films, because it's not really a business per se, right? But I, I grew up in Los Angeles. My Nobody in my family is in the entertainment industry, but, you know, it's kind of a default thing that sooner or later you fall into doing entertainment stuff. Uh, and I'm actually one of the weird people who did a feature first. Right. I, yeah. I produced a feature with friends of mine. Um, and as a result of that, and totally no budget feature, as a result of that, I got the gig producing short films. So I'm one of the rare people that, that did it reverse <laughs> rather than starting with shorts to go to feature. Um, and then after that, I just love short films so much. I didn't want to go back to features and I just kind of fell into teaching. So I've been doing teaching primarily for the last few years. So that's why your IMDb is just plump filled with shorts. Exactly. Like I've, I've, there's never seen so many shorts on somebody's IMDb before. I was like, wow, she really talks the talk here. She loves short films. Well, in fairness, I was also one of the very lucky people that got uh, paid to make short films. So I didn't finance how did, those how, how did you do that? I have to know how that happened. Yeah, exactly. I was very, very lucky uh, that I was, uh, there's a television cable channel called FXM Movies from Fox. It's a sister channel to FX. And back in the day, um, they didn't have commercials. So they had to do something interstitially, which means fill up that time between movies. And so uh, because they didn't have any original production, uh, the guy who was in charge of the interstitial time was like, well, let's make some short films. We'll use that to fill up the time. So I was very lucky that, you know, ultimately Fox paid for these short films and paid for me to produce them. So it was kind of a Nirvana situation. 
Oh, that's a right place, right time on that situation. That doesn't, uh, everyone listening, that doesn't happen. No, it does not happen. And of course, they're no longer doing that. (laughs) And people always say, well, who can I get to, you know, produce my films or finance my films? And there's really not organizations that are doing that anymore that'll. Not here in the States. Not in the States. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. yeah, In Canada and Europe. well, but, but also in Canada and Europe, it, it's more of an art. They 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 kind of support the arts more. New Zealand, Australia, the, the, there's government actually supports exactly. the film industry and here. Well, and they're wise to raise up their filmmakers, right? And the perfect way to make a groom to groom a new group of filmmakers is to have them make short films. So they're smartly investing in the infrastructure to make new filmmakers where we're just like, ah, people will pay for it themselves. <laughs> right here, we're just stuck. You're like, you're on your own. <laughs> <laughs> and yet so many people make short films. So in a way they're kind of right. <laughs> and, I mean, <laughs> but, it, it, every year I saw somewhere in your, in your book, there was like, is it 5,000 or 8,000 shorts were submitted? To, for the Sundance. Sundance Film Festival. Sundance is always very public with the numbers. So we kind of always use those as kind of a, a way to look at how many shorts are being made. And of course, these were international and U.S., but over 10,000 short films were submitted to last 2022 Sundance Film Festival. And so that just blew my, number one, it was the highest number yet. But number two, all those were made during the pandemic. So think about that. Right, because they're not like 10-year-old shorts. These are all fresh shorts. Yeah. So it's like over 10,000 people made short films during the pandemic in one year. Wow. That's yeah. um, uh, it, it's insane. Insane. So, all right. So you've seen so many, you've taught a lot about short films. What is the biggest mistake short filmmakers make when they attempt to make a short film? Well, there's actually several mistakes they make, but obviously the biggest always is the shorts are too long. <laughs> oh, so, so 50, 52 minutes short, not, not a good idea. <laughs> time for a short right <laughs> well you know a lot of people who don't see short films in their vision of it they think of those 25 30 minute films and they think well people won't take me seriously unless i make one of these long films but the reality is unless you're in school sometimes school there's requirements and you have sure. to up. but if you're doing it on your own nobody wants to see anything that long programmers don't want to program anything that long and really you can prove and you don't want to invest in producing something that long you can prove your talent in five minutes ten minutes you know, I've always said the, the, the sweet spot I started noticing when I was reviewing films for IndieWire and watching a lot of short films that way. And I kept on noticing the films I really liked were 12 minutes long. So it's like the sweet, sweet spot, including credits. Um, the sweet yes. spot. And that's another mistake filmmakers make is their credits are too long at the front and too long at the end. But anyway. Um, so it was, it's interesting because when I made my first short um, that I, I was able to generate over a hundred thousand dollars selling DVD and how I made it back in 2005. That's amazing. There was no YouTube. There was no right. information about, so it was a different time, but that was a 20 minute short. And also in 2005, there wasn't nearly as much competition for short films in, fil- in film festivals. So I was able to get into like 150, I think 125, 150 wow. festivals with that short. I, I, I just kept going for like a year and a half, two years. Just I was going to say, it also was probably good. <laughs> That's oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Roger Ebert reviewed it and it was like, a, it, it was, it was, it, it was very well received. I went, I did the water bottle tour around LA with it and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. That's, a, there's, there's more, more than enough information on my show about that, that short. I don't want to talk about that much about that short, but, but that was 20 minutes short. Then my next big short was 10 minutes. And I, you know, 10 minutes short is a really sweet spot. Because it's a, the one minute short or two minutes short, like, yeah, it's going to get maybe get programmed easier. But the 10 minute short has enough meat on the bone, I think. Exactly. To to do something to show you off and programmers can program it. Exactly. And, the, and that's the thing that f- f- filmmakers don't understand. Like I sat once, I swear to God, I was, was, was at uh, Holly Shorts. Yes, um, the fabulous film festival here. Oh, no, time. Danny and Theo, they've been on the show. I've, I was at their first festival. That, that short yeah. for I'm one of the original Holly Short shorts, and I'm the only one that they still talk to. Uh, as a <laughs> they tell me that, and I've been there a million times. So I was sitting there watching a movie, and it was a big. I'm not gonna say the movie, but there was. A, I was the opening night, and it was a very big star, very very big star starring in it. It's 45 minutes, and I was sitting there like, oh my god, this is molasses. This is horrible. And then my action short comes on, and everyone's like, ah, thank God. Um, but it was just this brutal i was like i don't care if it's a big giant star in it right it it was brutal to watch we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor and now back to the show 
So anyone thinking about at, at, when you're at 45 minutes, just keep going. <laughs> exactly. No, I believe that too. Like if you have enough money that you can do that, then this needs to be a feature. And it, you know, you can make a 68 minute feature or something like that. Um, doesn't have to be a 90 minute and double it or whatever. But yeah, if you can afford that, you can definitely afford a feature. The other yeah. thing I, I will say, um, you know, if it's a do- short documentary, then you can go a little longer too. It's different. Oh. It's a, yeah, yeah it's documentaries different. are a whole other yeah. world. You could do 30 minute, 40 minute documentaries yeah. comfortably, but narrative is very difficult. Exactly. And uh, I, I went, I went to, I went to the school of Mark Duplass when it comes to yeah. uh the the length of a film he goes yes anything over 70 minutes is a feature film yeah exactly. so when i when i made my 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 two features uh that i've made both of them are like 73 minutes and 75 minutes i'm like if that's all the story you have to tell that's enough story yeah exactly just just get in but you know i think anything with a seven in front of it is technically a feature when you're at the 68 i'm like just extend the credits just, just get more credits <laughs> do some bloopers at the end just do something that just extends it just a little bit <laughs> can i also say though i think features are too long as well uh, you know yeah. i get very tired when they're like 22 two hours and 22 minutes or something like that and you're just like oh my god how much more of this is gonna go i was watching was it uh the, the new bond film uh the last Bond film yeah and it's like that's a two hour and and I think a two hour and 30 minute movie, two hour and 40 minute movie. It's a long movie, but there's action every 15 yeah, minutes. Exactly. <laughs> and, it, and the Batman was also almost three hours. Uh, and that was like, I think it could have been a little shorter, yeah. but generally speaking, but there's action going on on that stuff. So you have to keep that going. Um, now, what a lot of filmmakers want to make a short film. What kind of shorts should they make? What, what, what genre is, is something? Is it, you know, <sighs> The, 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 this is my problem with shorts okay. and filmmakers with shorts. They put a lot of pressure on short films. Yes. Tremendous. I did it. I've done it so many times with my short films. I put an enormous amount of pressure. Like this is the short that's going to change my life. This is the short that some Hollywood producer is going to see. And they're like, Oh, you want, do you, do you want to do the next Marvel movie? Cause I, <laughs> I did some visual effects. So let's bring it in. That's the kind of pressure most filmmakers put on shorts. And I made a I made a fifty thousand dollars short well, with set built. That, don't ever do that. Uh, everyone listening, don't ever ever do that. That's. That. Uh, it, it, but I was like, I'm going to show everything off. I had top Hollywood. I had an Oscar winner in the movie. Like I had tons. It was like a big event, and it was very stylistic. And I was like, I'm going to show everybody what I can do, and. I put so much pressure on that thing. It just crumbled. All these shorts crumble under the pressure that filmmakers put on it, as opposed to like, let me make the best thing I can make. Let me put it out into the world and let me just see what happens. And yeah. And I'm, you know, obviously you have to make the right short for you. And at that time, I'm sure you had uh, enough connections and people were kind of expecting you to make something big and expensive and not like shot in your closet, you know? Um, whereas somebody else who doesn't have all those elements to them shouldn't pay money to get all of that. They should make the short film that's appropriate to where they are. And really what people are looking for in short films are like a unique voice and some talent and something fun. And again, that's why I love short films and they're more interested in shorts than features because features so cookie cutter and so rare that we see an exciting new voice. Where in shorts, there's always something new and thrilling and exciting and memorable. Um, and that's what people really want to see. But I also think if you, you know, are looking at this as something to say, this is who I am the world, you should make something that really says this is who I am. So, for example, I could say to you, you should totally make a horror short. There's a whole bunch of horror film festivals that would play it. You know, you can actually probably make the leap from a short to a feature with horror. Da, 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 da. But if you hate horror, this is not the thing you should do, you know. And if you love comedy, you should do a comedy short. You should not do, you know, a structured drama short. So I really think you should think hard about who you are and where you want to go and make something that kind of announces to the world, this is what I, this is my voice. And the nice thing about shorts is that nobody's there telling you, you must do horror, you must do comedy. You get to choose everything you want to do there, as opposed to later on in life where somebody will be giving you money and demanding you do certain things or pigeoning holding you in some way. This is your chance to define yourself. And I think that shorts in general, uh, you know, like that short, that $50,000 short got me a lot of jobs in music videos and commercials, things like that. It didn't do, yeah, it didn't do what I wanted it to do, but it did other things for me. And still to this day, I'm making money. I make money with all my shorts to this day, um, just selling them and, 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 you know, giving access and stuff. 
And actually, just to go back to when you said what mistake filmmakers do, um, they don't do everything correctly so that they could, if there isn't any possibility to commercially exploit their film, like, for example, they use music they don't own. And then also, oh you know, then they can't do it. They can't even put it on YouTube because YouTube will, you know, do their realizing that there's illegal music to pull you off. Or um, they don't do the right deal memos with their actors. And then all of a sudden that's a problem. So, I mean, I do think, although there isn't that much of a market for short films, you should always do it right um, and be ready in case there is some interest in some way. Or, you know, later on when you become famous, somebody's like, I'd love to put your short film, you know, pub, uh, you know, show your short film now that you're famous, but you don't have the rights to do it. So, you know, do everything correctly the first time. Right. So when Criterion Collection calls you. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm And thinking. they're doing a retrospective on your work because you are amazing as a filmmaker. Uh, you want to make sure that you don't have a Rolling Stone song in there that you can't afford. Exactly. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> and that was one thing I was very conscious of even back then when I was starting with my shorts, that all the music was either originally composed and I had agreements signed for it. Um, I was a little delusional. So I had I I I, I really approached it. I think the delusion helped a bit because I approached it as like, this is going to blow me up. So then I made sure I'm like, I'm good. This is going to be huge. And I'm going to have to make sure all these contracts or agreements are in place so I can, and that's exactly what I did. So that's the reason why I'm able to exploit it. And I was able to sell DVDs and did all that kind of stuff because I made all those agreements. And, and, and so the delusion helped a bit, but hopefully you can do everything I did without the delusion. <laughs> Well, I'm going to say you're obviously a very confident person, but in a certain way, that's great because short filmmakers really have no idea what they're doing, right? I mean, that's why I ended up writing about a book for short filmmakers because you're you're a novice. You just don't know what's right or what's wrong or what mistakes you're making or whatever. Uh, but a lot of people are so insecure where really it's a short film. How wrong can you go? You know, and even if you do make all those mistakes, okay, you made the mistakes on that one film. Now your next short film that you make, you won't make those mistakes on. So I, I do think, you know, to a certain degree, it's smart to arm yourself with as much as knowledge as possible, but it's also great to just jump in the pool. You know, don't question all of I don't know if we're doing anything right or whatever. Make a short film. It's fun. You'll be fine. Exactly. No one's, we're not curing cancer here, guys. Let's yeah, exactly. Just, let's just, let's move on. The one other big mistake I feel that filmmakers make with shorts is that they try to be somebody else and that might be work that be that might be okay at the beginning we all do it every filmmaker copies and steals yeah. and is inspired by the filmmakers that came prior to them all of them even the greats they all they all do it you look at nolan's work you look fincher's work you can go right back to kubrick i mean it's you know and and kubrick can go back to other people and so on and so forth um but the mistake i made and I've talked about this on the show before, but the mistake I made with that $50,000 short film is I was trying to be somebody else. Now, my voice was in there, but I was truly trying to be a little something else that wasn't 100% me. I was trying to create something that the marketplace wanted and not as much something that I wanted to make and things like that. So I think something like Whiplash, which is a really great short yeah. film example, of a, of a movie, of a short that turned into a movie. There's there's less of that nowadays. Shorts generally don't jump to movies as much as they used to. But Whiplash specifically, it's so clear, uh, Damien's vision in that. I mean, it's so, so clear. And it's so original and it's so him. Like, right. it, it just, just screamed out voice, new voice. And a lot of these, a lot of these filmmakers that do make the jump from shorts to features whether it's a feature version of their short, which doesn't happen as much, but a short a filmmaker that jumps into television off of a short or things like that does happen a lot, but they need to hear your voice. And also, you know, painters did that all the time too. They would paint in the style of somebody else. So that's the learning, right? I always say shorts are a learning experience for everybody. That's the learning aspect. And in reality, maybe it's not your first short film that does a lot for you. Maybe that short, first short film is literally you copying somebody just to get to feel confident that you could do it. Um, but it isn't like, hello world, this is me, this is my voice. It, it, you know, voices don't come right away. You see people Correct. when they write screenplays, it takes them a while too to get the screenplay to the point that, or the third screenplay finally says, this is who I am and this is, you know, something worth paying attention to. Right. So, You're, yeah, when you start writing, you might be writing like, you know, Tarant you try to write like Tarantino or Shane Black or, or Aaron Sorkin. And then that might, you might have a couple of those scripts in you, get it out. And then slowly your voice starts to come out. And that's the thing with shorts. And that's the wonderful thing about shorts is it's close to writing a screenplay as you can get because it's, it can be very inexpensive. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. 
And now back to the show. And you can knock out a short in a weekend with your iPhone and it will look and sound great if you do it properly. Exactly. And that's the thing, you know, because I came from when it was very hard and expensive to make short films. I'm so jealous now that everybody, there's no excuse not to be shooting something. You know, it's like you've got a a fabulous camera in your pocket. Use it. But um, it doesn't necessarily mean what you're shooting every weekend with your iPhone is necessarily needs to be shared with the world. But I think just the same way writers should be writing, I think filmmakers should be filmmaking. And nobody stops Right. And and a lot of people look at someone like Robert Rodriguez, yes. who was a, you know, he's he is who he is, and, you know, a legend in the indie film space. But a lot of people don't understand that he made 20 to 30 shorts before he ever made El Mariachi. So wow. he was he was shooting it all on VHS with his family as, as a cast and he was working it out. He was editing between two VCRs. And he was he was learning the craft. And then when he made his <clears throat> school short film, which was called Bedhead, he had learned so much as far as sound effects and things. It looked like when somebody saw that, they're like, Jesus, this kid is super talented. But he made 20 films that no one ever saw other than his family. Yeah, those rough drafts kind of thing. Nobody ever saw those elements. Right. And that's the thing that a lot of filmmakers, I feel that they are so precious right. with, their, with their shorts that they're like, and I was. Uh, that like I can't make something unless it's perfect yeah, and it's ready exactly. to go. You gotta just you gotta turn Keep on it. the faucet, let all the mud clear out of the pipes <laughs> before the clean water comes out and all the good stuff starts coming out. Uh, I, I hate when people put a lot of pressure on themselves anyway because you know filmmaking could be joyous, um, and with a short film you're hopefully making it with your friends. You know, or people who support you and want you yeah. to do a great job with it, and it should be a story that you're dying to tell. So how exciting for you that you're getting to hang out with your friends and do a story you're dying to tell and and realizing it from your head to now existing in the world. It's truly a, an exciting thing. Yeah, without without question. So, all right. So let's say we got our short done. All right. And this is this is the opus. Like we've already done our <laughs> 15, we've done our 15 shorts, Kim. We've done our 15 shorts. We feel comfortable. Our voice is out there. I think we we, we have a clear idea of our voice. There's so many options on how to get this into the world. Yes. How do you launch a short? Well, I mean, I, because I come from festival world and I've spent a lot of time reviewing festival shorts, my inclination is always like, put it on the festival circuit. Um, now, not every short is a festival kind of short, but I always do kind of encourage people, if you think your short might be a festival short, to try it. Because, you know, when we were talking about how fun it is to make films, it's super fun to have your film show in front of yeah. an audience, you know, in yeah. a theater with people who you don't know. Who have red carpet, by- red carpet. That's red carpets do. And, and also you get to meet other filmmakers. And when you're meeting them, you meet them as a filmmaker who has made a film, you know? It's like right. all of that, even if it was just a stupid thing you made in the backyard, you know, and you're at the time you're like, isn't that going to be nothing? And yet somehow it turns into being something. How fabulous is it that you're showing this something to people and they're excited for you and you're excited for them. And the festival is thrilled to have you there. Um, and you're going to parties. And as you said, red carpet It's just, you know, such a lovely experience for a short filmmaker, whereas feature filmmakers <laughs> have all the stress about festivals because it matters to them. You know, it matters where they premiere. They're trying to get their film picked up. They're trying to you know, make the next, uh, you know, introduction to make their career go huge, where a short filmmaker would be very happy if anything happens to them and they happen to meet somebody who wants to represent them or they get some sort of offer to, you know, license their short film. But the reality is more short filmmakers should think of the festival as just a fun time, you know, a time to actually be a filmmaker, have your film seen by the public, meet other people, um, and also, you know, um, establish some credits for yourself that you've been to all these festivals. And then, you know, if you make another short film, you can go to these festivals again, hopefully. Or if you scrape together money and do an independent feature, now you already have a base of people who know your talent and have supported you once and want to support you again. So, you know, I, I, that's all the fabulous things about the festival world that I think is great for a short filmmaker. I mean, I think that festivals, I, I always, when I talk about film festivals, I, you know, they don't have the same juice that they used to, you know, uh, in other words, in the nineties, you got into a certain film festival, two or three of them, you automatically got sold. You, you automatically got a deal. There was all these stories every, every day, almost in the nineties of these magical stories coming out of Sundance or South by, or, or these kind of, these kind of festivals, Tribeca or something like that. But with festival, with shorts, I, I, I always warn filmmakers. I'm like, festivals are exactly for what you just said. They are experience. If you've never gone down the road, 
you've never had a red carpet, you never had an audience. My God, there's so much fun. The after parties, the 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 web, the seminars, the it's great. And it's like most of the times we live in a bubble. Unless you live in LA, you live in a bubble of not being in the business. And the festival is the first time you're surrounded by people that love movies or in movies and things like that. But not to put any pressure on that experience because right. fest because festivals are everything you said they should be. But don't think that like, oh, just because you got into a major festival, which if you do, it's great. It's not that it's a bad thing, but it's not gonna open the doors. The thing, many times they don't open the doors the way they think you can, but but you could go to a Moose Jaw International Short Film Festival, which it doesn't exist. Uh, <laughs> and And there might be an acquisition exec there. There might be an agent that happened to be there. I forgot what was the story I heard. I forgot there was a, Oh God, I forgot the movie it was. It was one of these famous indie movies that couldn't get seen. I don't know if it was Napoleon Dynamite or one of these films, but they were playing this film feature at this nobody festival, like in the middle of nowhere. And they were playing it at a bar at the bottom <laughs> of the hotel. It happens sometimes, yes. <laughs> My fir first award, by the way, was at the, uh, at the, the Crab Shack. <laughs> Best director. And I was like, this is easy, but, uh, <laughs> and fun and fun. So that, so it was a nobody festival, nothing, there's no in the middle of nowhere. There was a Hollywood acquisition exec who was on vacation and was staying at the hotel and they had nothing to do that night. And they're like, Hey, there's a film festival going on at the bar. Let's just go down there, have a couple of drinks and watch something. They went down and watched it and acquired it. So those are the magical lottery ticket stories you hear, but you just never, never know what's going to happen. But I just want filmmakers to walk in understanding, have fun. And if anything happens, great. Exactly. But also the people you meet too. You never Correct. know. Connections. Among your peers too, that you will then all of a sudden meet all these other filmmakers who might, you know, help you faster than you do and then they help you or you can hire them for your you know there's just a lot of once Networking. you're in the you're a professional filmmaker now you're meeting other people who are in that world as you said in where you live you might not have that opportunity and so now how great is it that you will so that so that's what i love about festivals but you know festivals are, are not the be all and end all and there are i know many people who like apply to a lot of festivals and it costs money too so you know this is a money a drain um, and didn't get into anything and just were really upset. But, you know, festivals have a certain sensibility and maybe you're, the thing you made uh, is more like uh, something that people would enjoy on the internet, you know? And then how great is that? That you can put it on Vimeo, put it on YouTube, do your own little promotion to it and have people see it. And you never know, you know, how that might work out for you. But more importantly, if you, if you made a film because you wanted to communicate with people and say to them, this is a vision that was in my head and I've now executed it and I want to share it with you and I hope you get something out of it and you enjoy it, then, you know, the 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 way that that happens shouldn't bother you. You know, it might happen via festivals. It might happen via um, um, YouTube. It might happen via you and your buddies putting on your own uh, screening so that people can see it that way. Um, you know, you've made something, share it with the world however you can. Yeah, and and I just I just had uh, the filmmakers behind Marcel uh, yes. Michelle, which was a short films first. Of course, of course, yeah. I didn't know that when I when I had him on the show. I discovered that in my research after I saw the feature. I saw the movie first, was fascinated. I'm like, how in God's green earth did this get financed? <laughs> how did A24 get involved? I just told I told the PR people. I'm like, get I want him on my show. I need to know what how is this a thing. And then doing research, I found out that it was a short film that they put out 10 years ago. Two short two. It was yeah. two or three, I think. They had three in the series. Uh, but but it was like two years apart or something like yeah. that. And then they had books. And, so they created an IP based on a short, a two, three minute short that they did as a kind of like, eh. And, it, and from what I understood, it was a short film that they showed their friends and family. Uh, and then they're like, hey, is there anywhere online that we could, so I can share this with my grandma. I think she'd really like it. And then she's like, oh yeah, okay, throw it up on YouTube. And threw it up on YouTube and 54 million plays later, they're like, hey, some, we got something. Yeah, so that, so that whole story is fascinating. That's a really great story on, on how powerful the internet is, which is my next question. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. 
And now back to the show. YouTube. So, so many filmmakers are so precious with their shorts. They're like, I can't put it on YouTube. The festivals are going to like it. Oh my God, this or that. You know, again, there's a couple of ways to go about it. I know festivals are a little bit more loosey-goosey with that nowadays than they used to be, especially with shorts. Not features, but shorts. Yeah, yeah exactly. But at a certain point, like, you know, at a festival, you're going to get 20, 50 eyeballs on it. Right. You know, maybe 100 if you're lucky. You know, so it's a very small audience where yes. if you put it up on the Internet, it's it's millions. They have access yeah. to millions. Not to say you're going to get millions, but it could go viral, especially if it's something very specific. It's something very cool. Visual effects are really cool. Story is really interesting. Even fan film short films, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah. Um, all of that kind of stuff. So is YouTube a viable option? And by the way, Vimeo, I'm not sure if you know what's going on with Vimeo. Vimeo has kind of gone away from shorts and are going away from the creators. And they're, they're really more now, their corporate structures changed more towards um, uh, corporate like video stuff before they were trying to do it with all oh, the artists. It's a home for the artists. Right. Exactly. They, they realized the artists have no money. So now <laughs> they're, they're, so Vimeo was once a place to put short films and it was like you short of the week and all that. That's kind of um, gone now. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Um, but now YouTube is still a place to go. So what's your opinion of YouTube? How should you approach YouTube? What, what, what should you do? Well, there are, like you said, some festivals do care. So uh, in the old days, I'd be like, ah, don't even tell them. But, you know, one little Google. It's <laughs> <laughs> not that hard nowadays. <laughs> it can't hide so much. And you don't want to hide, you know, so. Um, if you if you think you want to go to festivals that do care about it, um, then you shouldn't put it online because, you know, online is for the rest of your life. So what's the big deal if you hold off for a year while you try to do festivals and then put it online? Um, the other thing is Oscar consideration. They still care for Oscar consideration when you have your broadcast debut um, and, and YouTube is considered a broadcast. So if you thought at any chance, you know, I made uh, 19 short films, none of them got Oscar nominations. So it's like that was not really going to happen. <laughs> But I cared and so I waited. Um, you know, if you care and you think there's even a slight chance you want to be smart about what the Oscar rules are, but the Oscar are so minuscule. And I want to bring I want to I want to just point on something on that because I've seen so many film makers, myself included, wait a year, two years because of their delusions. And I say that with all the love in the world, because I was a delusional filmmaker in that sense as well. Where like I can, I'm gonna get into this Oscar qualifying short film festival, and I have a shot. I'm like, it, it it's it's like twenty or a hundred times easier to get into Sundance than it is to get an Oscar nomination for a short film, you know. And it's astronomical to try to get into Sundance. So just to understand the the ratio that we're talking about here, so. And also, yes, the Oscar films tend to really be, uh, as we talked about, the better funded ones from other countries. <laughs> Very right. Well, Americans get through. But you do occasionally. And so, you know, it's one of these things. That's your dream. I, I mean, I know Oscar nominated filmmakers from the short sure. film category. Oh, yeah. So it's totally doable, you know, just in a miracle kind of way. Um, but, you know, it's your decision what you want to do. But in reality, is that this is the year that you're trying to get people to pay attention to your short film. Do you really want to hold off putting it on the internet for a year? Is what kind of your point that mm -hmm. you know if exactly. You want to so you know, and, and people want to you know people want that easiness of like, can I see it? And you want to be able to quickly be able to show it to people. Not to say that you can't do password protected kind of things. Too, no, that's but, different. Yeah. yeah, that's different. But also, I I do agree with what you're saying. Is like if you want to do a festival run, I'll wait six months. You know, go, go, go six months, go wait eight months, go around and enjoy yourself. Go to red carpets. If you haven't gone down that road, my God, it's so much fun, especially it strokes the ego in a way that is so beautiful. Everyone, you're the greatest. Someone gives you an award. You're like, oh my God, I've arrived. All this kind of stuff. By the way, once you have an award, you are an award-winning filmmaker and that's how you should promote yourself. Um, I 100% agree with that. <laughs> I mean, my first festival was the Ocean City Film Festival in New Jersey, which was played in the back of the Crab Shack where I won Best, for, Best First Time Director. I was in work. And when you still remember it and you still claim it. So there you go. <laughs> I still have the certificate sure, that I got somewhere packed in away, but it was a big, it was a big deal for me. And that from that point on, I was an award-winning filmmaker and people yeah. laugh at that. I'm like, 
you're an award-winning filmmaker. You can promote yourself as such. Um, the one other thing I will say is it's really hard to get on TV, um, but there are uh, people, you know, there are organizations like Short TV that will get your film on television. And so that also might have be some issues about if you've been online, that they might, they might not want you so much for television. So but, uh, again, very small percentage. And But how fab is to be on TV too, so, you know. And also depends on how bad they want the short. Yeah. So if it's a and really good short. You can always take it down. You know, if it's also yeah. a really, really, I mean, in the world that we live in with so much content and so much media, right? they're much looser than they used to be before. There and was there's always exceptions. And for example, if you had made Marcel and then they're like, hey, we'd love to put Marcel on TV now they because would. feature that's already had 54 million people view, but sure, why not? You know, people want to see it. So Absolutely. if you have a want to see aspect to your film, then, you know. No question. No question about it. You can it. make your own rules and you should. And, you, you know, because short filmmakers are used to kind of not necessarily breaking the rules. But yes, let's just say it, breaking the rules or making their own way, making their own rules. Never think there's a, you know, a no. You can always turn a no into a yes. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, the big question that so many filmmakers ask me all the time, can you make money with a short film? And I will always say, no, it's really hard to, but you're so an example of somebody who has made money off of a short. So well, we can be the opposite ends of the, the spectrum. <laughs> I'll be the person that says no, and then you can sell you by yes. But, um, okay. you know, number one, again, you have to be able to have your film commercially exhibited, which we talked about previously. That there should be no impediments to that. Um, but, you know, uh, there is places still will license short films. And if you have a film that also, the, I should have said the other thing for the festival circuit, it, it is a way to connect with the people who do license short films. They're looking for these short films on the festival circuit. So it's your kind of way of being in the marketplace. But anyway, um, you know, should you get an offer, um, you know, the money will not be what you expect it to be too. Uh, <laughs> so. you, mean, you mean, you mean you're not getting that 100,000 MG? You're not exactly. getting a... <laughs> I'm buying a house. I made a short film. I mean, it could be as name as like they do it per minute and they're going to give you like $6 per minute and you have a 10 minute long film and you're like, woo, from Poland, I'm getting 60 bucks to be a... <laughs> you said Poland for a second. That's another thing I want people to understand, especially here in the States, that, that there is a market for short films outside of the U.S., much more so than in the U.S. Can you talk about that? Yeah. For sure. I mean, you know, in the U.S., again, I mentioned short TV, and then there's also uh, PBS, you know, locally does short films. There's all these little small pockets in the U.S. that potentially could, um, but they, they definitely, um, also, I should mention, too, some festivals have prizes that if you win that prize, then you yeah, go. Yeah, a little you bit know. money. Yeah, um, but you or you go on to uh, HBO or something like that, that that's part of the, the deal um, uh, because they're looking for new talent of a certain way. But anyway, um, the money still will not be great. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's very rare to meet a filmmaker who ever earned their money back uh, on short films. I should also say real quickly, too, um, on festivals, sometimes you win prize money. I know people have won more money from festival prizes than the cost of making their films. So they actually benefited that way from being on the festival circuit. Um, you probably would earn more money on a festival prize than you'd win on licensing your film elsewhere. But uh, you know, remember I mentioned that our short films at Fox were made for interstitial purposes. That still does exist in some other countries that they'll put them on TV in between um, other things if they don't have commercials. So, you know, there are opportunities out there, um, different countries and different amounts of money. And th that's also what's so nice about short filmmaking. You're learning about international exhibition the same way you would learn with your feature film. It's just much smaller, much less money. Right, exactly. So I'll be on the other end of this uh, this conversation where I've made a lot of money with my shorts over the years, but I've also thought about it very much like a film entrepreneur, uh, an entrepreneurial filmmaker. Where um, see how see how I did that film entrepreneur, uh, product placement, product placement. Yes. Uh, no, but honestly, though, it's like I have made a short film, when, and 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 I'll, the 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 real quick story behind that first short film that we made over a hundred thousand with, which is. I made a short film, action, sci-fi, a lot of visual effects uh, at the time, very kind of cutting edge in the visual effects world, especially in the indie space, shot on the mini DV, DVX-100A, Panasonic, fantastic camera. Um, and I put it out and I, I, I made it, I edited it, put it all together. And I'm like, all right, we have something cool here. I'm like, how am I going to make money with this? And I'm like, who? Who's going to pay for this? I'm like, I'm, I can't sell this to the general public. No one cares. I'm nobody. I have nobody in movie. I go, but you know who might be interested is filmmakers on how I made this. Because I made it look like a film. I color graded it in 2005. 
We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Using Final Cut Pro, I use visual, I use Shake, the same program that they were using Lord of the Rings to do the visual effects. We had over 100 visual effects shots in it. There was a lot of stuff like that. Um, and it was action, which was very hard to do in 2004 with gunplay and fights and all this kind of stuff. So I was like, I think people will pay for this. So what I did is then spent six weeks editing together three and a half to four hours of a kind of a boot camp. And then I put it all on DVD because there was no other place to make money with it. And I created an email list. This is all instinctual, created an email list and started posting a message boards about it. So put the trailer out there and people were like, when's this movie coming out? When I want to see it. And then when I launched, I still remember the day with PayPal, I would just get all these emails like ding, 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 ding. It was fantastic. And then we just kept selling and selling and selling these at 20 bucks a pop. We were selling at $20 a pop. But they were, but they were, so it was a different time that wouldn't work today, but in the, in the time that I did it, it did work. And then now I've created educational. So I use education as a way to make money. If, if it's really a, a high-end visual effects movie, I know film riot, uh, the, the, the YouTube channel, they make a lot of short films. Their entire business model is about making really high-end short films with high-end visual effects and they show you how they do it. So that's how they're doing that as well. So you know, but also maybe you have a, a, an actor that people are very interested in and maybe, you know, people would be interested, like you could make your own website and try to get people to pay to see it or whatever. It's just part in this world where so much is free. You know, I always tell people, you know, have you ever personally paid to see a short film, you know? And <laughs> it, so it, it can work if you hire, like if you hire an actor, I had, a, I had Robert Forrester in one of my films. I had Richard yeah. Tyson, who was the bad guy from kindergarten cop. If you remember that, um, I had him in there. Some of these, some of these actors have massive fan bases right. who will go crazy for anything they do. So if you can hire someone like that or hire somebody who has an audience of some sort. Um, so let's say it's a YouTube influencer. I'm just using that as an example. Uh, or a YouTube or social media star wants to be in a movie, they have 3 million followers. You cast them in your movie and you go, look, let's partner up. We're going to sell access to this to your audience and we're going to sell it for five bucks and you and I are going to split it. And now you have a marketing machine putting it out into the, you know, behind a paywall for the first 30 or 60 days behind a paywall. So it doesn't hurt any festivals, doesn't hurt any broadcast. And you're making money with it. So there's a lot of different ways of doing it, but it takes time and also niches and things like that. And I talk about it in my book a lot with features, but it can be applied to shorts. So there are ways to make money with shorts. It's just a lot of work and you really got it. It's not going to, there's no turnkey situation. Right. In other words, there's like, oh, here, and you make money. <laughs> you know, and I was also going to say uh, the Academy Award nominated shorts, they now put them out in the theaters and people pay to go see these films in theaters. So as much as I'm like, who pays for a short film? The people are very excited to pay money to see the Academy nominated short films in the theater, um, you know, which is a fabulous thing that I never would have thought that that would come to be. And it has. And so there's interest that way. Um, and, you know, there might be new venues or new ways to do it in the future. And, uh, you know, the beautiful thing is you've created something you own and you can do anything you want with. And no one's going to tell you, no, you can't do that. So why not try different things and see what happens? And, you know, uh, you never know how how your break is going to happen or what's going to happen or how you might potentially make money. Um, it's all just give it a shot and see what happens and, you know, keep your expectations low <laughs> and be happy with anything. Right. So let's say you make $60. You'd be like, my God, I made $60 off of this. I'm now, you know, making a profit, not profit, but you know, I'm making money and uh, right. people in Poland are seeing my film. Come on. Great. Exactly. So it, it really all depends on how you, what's your approach to, the making of the film. If you're making it to get rich, I'm sorry, this is not going to happen. Yeah. Um, if you're going into it with that, is there yeah. a possibility that you can make a lot of money with it? There's very few examples of short films making. I think I'm one of the, the few, honestly, yeah. that, that, that I've made, you know, I've, I've been actually in case studies and books on short films about. Yeah, understandably so. <laughs> so, because it's a, it's a rarity and I yeah, know exactly. that. And, but at doing the shorts that I've done over the years, I've seen what they've been able to do for me. And if you look at shorts as a way to get your career moving forward, express yourself as an artist, um, get attention for yourself, all that kind of stuff. And then the festival circuits, and all the other stuff, 
that's the way you should approach it, I think. You know, I've also, also animation is a whole other ballgame. Oh, saying. that's a whole other world. Yeah. yeah, people will pay for animated shorts and know that kind of stuff. But I know people who have banded together and put together programs um, and kind of put that on the road of short films and, you know, rented out four wall theaters and totally turned it into, uh, you know, their life basically. But you also have to kind of look to like, how much time are you gonna put into this as well? Um, I feel like a lot of that kind of stuff you should do for your feature. You know, if you're totally making a bunch of feature, that's the time to invest in all those. And then if we're talking about documentaries, that's a whole other conversation yeah, yeah, yeah. because with documentaries, there are a lot of places where documentary shorts can make money and you can do a 30, 40, even 50 minute short, which can get broadcasted. Yes, um, very and, much so. And if it's in a specific niche, Right. You can actually go on the road, to going to different organizations. So, like, if it's a it's a documentary yes. about a, a swimmer with one leg, I'm just saying, or a no, surfer with one yeah. leg, or a skateboarder with one leg, uh, you know, those are the kind of things that you can team up with organizations to set up screenings, charge. So there's a lot of ways you can make money with documentaries. A lot easier to make money yeah. with than. And also, people are dying for short documentaries on the festival circuit. They don't have enough, yeah. you know. So. It, it, it's hard to do a short documentary. I will say that. I've seen so many people fail at it uh, just because, you know, with a long documentary, you've got a long story to tell. With a short documentary, you have very little time. And so what are you actually saying and showing and doing? It's a, it's a, it's a hard skill. To there, was, there was one short that was on Netflix because Netflix does shorts yes. every once in a while. Yeah. Every once in a while, there was a documentary about end of life <clears throat> and about like just hospice and, and how to approach end of life. And uh, I had a friend of mine who's a social worker and he's like, hey, you should look into this short. And I'm like, is it on Netflix? And he's like, yeah, watch it. And I watched it. I was like, oh man, they, they as an organization go around using that short as a way to kind of introduce people to end of life conversations, because it's not a something, it's not something you want to talk about, generally speaking. Uh, you know, it's not a conversation you want to have, but that's that documentary did apparently got sold to, to netflix so yeah. if it got sold to netflix that means netflix knew something that it was and, value and netflix does uh, I, I should have said that too netflix definitely has a category of short films and you'll see a lot of the ones that are oscar contenders or close to being an oscar contender show up there and they like the longer short film too uh so that's a very positive thing and they've done a lot of sh not done but they've acquired you know short documentaries i don't know if any of those are original netflix productions i think all of them are acquisitions but there are definitely short films that are showing on netflix again i don't know how much money people made off of that but come on to be able to say your short film is on netflix, a thousand, like 500 bucks a thousand bucks two thousand bucks are you kidding it's it's fantastic it, it yeah. depends on, on the um there was a, there again, was a short people can see it <laughs> so another another great uh, uh, story on how, of a short film that turns turned it into a feature. They're turning it into a feature, and they made obscene amounts of money. Was Kung Fury? You familiar with Kung Fury? Yeah. So Kung Fury is a short out of I think it's Sweden or Norway or something like that. But it was a homage to eighties action movies. Fun. Done in the most ridiculous, obscene like. You know, heads being blown off, um, dinosaurs going back in time with North God, Norse gods, and you know, like Thor's there. It was fascinating to watch a thirty-minute short, a lot of visual effects, uh, all '80s based. These guys put it out, and they got millions and millions of views. But they had the original soundtrack, they had uh, merch. Yeah, because it was all connected to a niche that so many people were, and they loved the short so much. Then I saw it pop up on Netflix. Then I saw it pop up on El Rey. Then I, it, people were, it, it's just, it, it was such high production value that people used it. And then they, they, they now are in the process of making the sequel. They had Arnold Schwarzenegger come in <laughs> as, and he, they literally, he's playing the president in the sequel or the, 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 the feature version. And even they were so understanding of their niche. I talk about it. I actually use them as a case study in my book that they got David Hasselhoff to do the soundtrack. They paid, <laughs> they paid David Hasselhoff a good amount of money to, to write a song for the movie. And then they've released a music video with David Hasselhoff. That's amazing. It's amazing. So there's so much creativity with shorts. You could do so much with it. It all depends on you and where you want to where you want to go with it. So there, it's it's an endless pool of opportunities. Well, you and you had mentioned IP earlier. Uh, you know, that's the other thing you're doing. You are creating an IP when you make a short film. 
Yeah, you do create IP. And if you're able to, like Marcel with the shell on, they actually released three shorts over the course of three, four years. And they released two best-selling children's books on it. So when Hollywood came calling, they uh, they were like, hey, let's put Ryan Reynolds with the shell. And they're like, no. Um, <laughs> we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. <laughs> this is before Pikachu. Uh, they were basically pitching a Pikachu. That's what they wanted. Yeah. Um, but they stuck to their guns and they made the movie that they wanted to make. It took them 12 years to get it off the ground, but they got it with, but they were able to make money with it and, and generate revenue off these shorts. And then not to mention uh, off of YouTube, even just YouTube ad, AdSense off these things. I mean, first yeah. one's like 54 million. The other one's like 34 million. And that's something that a lot of filmmakers don't know about as well is if you have a monetized YouTube channel, you can make money, especially if it goes viral. You yeah. could make serious money with it. Um, or if there's another channel where shorts or the kind of short that you're trying to do, maybe you team up with that creator, have them pump it out, and they maybe have two or three million followers and share the share the money that comes in. There's so many ideas, so many ways. Um, Hair Love is another example. It's an animated short film, but he did a book after it too. Uh, there's, you know, many things that you, there could be opportunities for you if your short film gets attention. In that case, it also got Oscar nominated. Um, but the other thing, too, that we should definitely talk about is you can put, spend all that time and money and do all that. But then when people say, well, what's next? You oh, really God, have please, a, what's yes. next? <laughs> because it's like you could spend all that time doing all that for like, oh, now I've got 100 bucks that I profited off of that. But what's next? You know, what am I going to do next year? And when people say to me, I loved your short. I'd love to talk to you about doing something together or whatever. You need to have a what's next. And so if I may tell you the painful backstory of my experience, okay. uh, I got, I got, I did the water ball tour. I was being called by Oscar nominated or not Oscar winning producers. And I was at CAA. I was all this stuff when my first short um, was going around and everyone asked me, so uh, we love the short. We love what you're doing. What's next? Yeah. And we're like, well, I have ideas. Yeah, that's not enough. Yeah. You need scripts, not ideas, yeah. scripts. You need to have two or three of them ready to go. Yeah. And that's what, because you could, you could pitch them. Oh, I have this movie about this, this, this. Yeah, we don't want, what else you have? Because yeah. that, that window, that window is open for, that door is open for so short of amount of time. And if you don't take advantage, next. Exactly. There's always another hot film that people are getting attention to. Next. So you really want, I mean, not that you can predict you're going to have that moment, but why not set yourself up for success? and have something ready that you want to do um, so that you can be like, hello, I'm so glad you love my short. Here is my feature film that I want to make next or whatever else it is that you want to know, do next. And, you know, maybe, for example, you really wanted to write commercials or something like that. You know, be prepared with a reel of other things that look like commercials that you can be, you know, whatever you want to do, be prepared. I think that there is a higher probability of somebody seeing a short at a festival or online and offering you, hey, I love your style. I'd like to work with you. That happens more often than anything else I think we've spoken about. Because it does happen. People are like, oh, I want to work with you. Or what do you want to do next? They're, those opportunities do present themselves. But most filmmakers aren't prepared for those opportunities when they come. Right. Which is what we're talking about. Exactly. It, does, it does happen. It does happen a lot. Especially with commercials or music videos or documentaries or things like that. There's always I hear story after story after story about filmmakers getting opportunities based off a short film that they someone saw somewhere, this or that, and boom, boom, boom. Having that. I mean, uh, uh, Napoleon Dynamite. It's a short film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's many examples of short films. And actually, there's a, another recent film uh, called Emergency that was a short. And then they went on the festival circuit and people were like, oh, we'd love to talk to you about the feature version of it. And they hadn't even been thinking of that, which is kind of, you know, more power to them. But then they're like, oh, yeah, we're working on that. But if you, you know, if you thought there was a feature version of it, you should probably script out the feature version of it before you go on the festival circuit. As, as fast as you can. Look. You know, I mean, you can control when you start the festival circuit. And in theory, if you think of this as launching yourself, well, then, you know, have stuff to <laughs> that you're Watch. ready for. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I hey, always like to say you are the studio. You know, you need to think of yourself as a studio that will be making things. So, you know, think about when you want to release things. Think about what your next project is. Think about how you want your studio to be thought of, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Now, tell me about your book. Making it big and short, shorter, faster, cheaper. <laughs> Don't you agree that shorts should be shorter, faster, and cheaper? 
Absolutely. <laughs> this is actually the third version, and this is my, ver- my, my subtitle that I insisted for the third version was the shorter chapter, uh, shorter, cheaper, faster. Because uh, if you had to ask me quickly advice, you know, what filmmakers should do, it's like, yeah, make a film shorter, cheaper. I mean, it appalls me when I hear how much money people spend on these 50 things. grand. <laughs> but it worked out for you. <laughs> it did, but I'm, a, I'm an anomaly. Don't, don't yeah. do what I don't do. do 50 grand. I really don't think so. Also, things are so much cheaper now, too. Uh, you know, I think if you had done it now, it wouldn't be as expensive as it was then. Although I also teach, um, and one of my students is making her short film this weekend. Uh, and, you know, it was it's 2500 and she's under budgeted. You know, I'm like, oh, you just don't have enough money here. People always think I can do it for a nickel. And it's like, well... <laughs> I, if if someone like myself who's been in the business for almost 30 years says I could do it for a nickel, I'm more than likely I could do it for a nickel because I know. Right. You have favors you can call in. I know how to, I've done it. Right. But if you've never done it and say you, you go, it's like someone in, it's someone on set going, we'll fix it in post. Like, yeah. no, no, no. Only the editor or someone who's been in post can say you can fix it in post. No one else is allowed to say that. Or have zero budget in post. <laughs> Which well, she has. Oh, oh, really? She was just going to do it on her laptop, was she? (laughs) Which is, you know, fine for student film. You know, you you probably can get away with that. But even so, they're planning on shooting for three days and even feeding people for three days. I was like, "Uh, I don't think you even have enough money in your budget to be feeding people. Don't, don't, don't feed people the spinning wheels of death. Do you know what the spinning wheels of death are? Yeah, what are the spinning wheels of death? Pizza. Don't do that. (laughs) Spinning wheels of death. Don't. It's because they just, they just, they're cheap. But you get what you pay for, and your and your crew starts to slow down. It's yeah. sluggish. You want to give them food that keeps them energy going, and pizza does not keep you energetic. Uh, well, also she made the mistake of telling me she was gonna, uh, and she was the producer on it, but she's going to make the food herself. I was like, oh. Are you in? She was the director too. No, she's only she's only the producer. Not I didn't mean to say only the producer. She is the producer. But still, right. you know, you can't be making food and uh, doing no. everything else. You as a producer. No, no. That's, so, uh, that's- that's a rookie mistake. Unless, unless, I mean, I've, look, I've talked to some really big producers who have done that uh, because they had to do it. Um, but, you know, it was a different conversation. <laughs> Raise a little more money. Put a little thing, put a, buy something on the credit card. <laughs> yeah, it just, you know. You know it's, oh, you get free, by the way, you could get, by the way, and this is another trick I learned, is you can get free food. Food is easy to get for free. You walk in and you go, hey, we're making a short film. So we'd love to promote your place. One, can we do a scene in your place? Or can we shoot at least outside of your place so we can promote your place? Or two, uh, if you give us a free meal, we'll promote you through social media. We'll promote you through the, the a lot of local businesses will give you free. I got free food constantly making short films. See, and I, I do believe that everything for free concept of like, if you have the time and the uh, the right personality to do that and the right connections, because again, you're going to get no a lot too, but if you figure, oh, okay, you're going to get no a lot, but there are going to be places that know you or want to support you of the right mentality and you will get a yes out of it. So, um, you know, it's just a matter of time and, and, uh, and the right personality to do that kind of stuff. Right. And if you're in a small town, um, I've had filmmakers on the show that, that had the entire town help them. Right. Exactly. Because, they, because they know you and it's right. a small town and it's you're making a movie. That's super cool. Like a lot of people still get freaked out when you're like, oh, you're making a movie. Like people who are in L.A., they just get like uh, they're jaded. Like ah, another movie. Really? Actually, the people who in their small town, they wrote a newspaper, wrote an article about them making a short. And it was like, I love that. How fabulous exactly. is that? Exactly. So you get a lot more attention. It's actually better to be outside of an L.A. or New York in that scenario because people are super excited about like, oh, you're making a movie, you know, like, yeah. Do you want to have a you know, do you want to sit in the background in this one shot in the diner? What? All we need is like three meals. Oh, that's fine. You know. <laughs> So the little tips of what you do, you know, I have just haven't done this in 20 years. So I don't even, it's not in the front of my head, but going back, I'm like, I used to do that. The, the biggest thing I used to do, believe it or not, when I was doing, I was in school is I heard that every day the, the bakery would get rid of their stuff that's about to expire. Now they owe bread, they owe muffins, they owe everything. So I would walk in every day. I'm like, Hey, uh, do you have anything? Do you want to get rid of? And they would just give me a, a just bags full of breads and pastries and cakes. And I would go and sell them at the school to make money. But you could arguably use that. It's fine. You could eat it. It's not moldy or it's like, you know, it's not bad, but it's like going to expire the next day or something like that. So they can't sell it, but it's good for another two or three days. You could take that and use it on your set. I'm just saying that's craft service right there. (laughs) 
you are indeed Mr. Hustle. I mean, that is the right <laughs> mentality. No, seriously, that is the hustle mentality of we're going to get this done. We're going to make it happen. We're going to make our own rules. We're going to do anything we need to do. And that is exactly how you need to be really to do something for no money. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now I'm going to, now I'm going to ask you a few questions. I ask all of my guests. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. What advice would you give a filmmaker trying to break into the business today, Kim? I think, you know, the right answer is you should always just be making something that, you know, nobody's going to stop you and you never know what the right thing is. It's going to really make or break you or, you know, help you develop your voice. So just constantly be making something. What is the lesson that took you the longest to learn, whether in the film business or in life? I think it is that it's just a matter of getting through the no's until you get a yes. You know, it's so hard to hear that. And it's so hard to constantly run up against the no's. But the reality is, as soon as you get that yes, you can stop. (laughs) You've achieved it. Uh, And everybody can do that, right? You know, the most dedicated person can go 99 no's until you get that 100th yes. If, if, If there's one lesson that you can... If anyone listening, the one lesson if you can take from this conversation is that the no's are a guarantee. You're always going to get no's. But if you can get past that and understand that that's just the rules of the game that you're playing, and that's life, let alone the film business, that's (laughs) life. No's are the general, that's the default. If you can get past that, then you open yourself up for those yeses. But you have to understand not to get derailed by the nose because you're going to get nose constantly throughout. And it happens to everybody at every level. Spielberg got nose. Nolan, he doesn't get nose. But everybody, <laughs> uh, no, but he did get a no because he wanted things to happen for Tenet and it didn't happen. Spielberg couldn't get uh, Lincoln, Lincoln uh, financed, you know, so he couldn't get Schindler's List financed. And he was Freaking Steven Spielberg. So everyone gets notes. It's about how you deal with those notes and how you keep moving forward. So understand that that is just the default. Don't think, and, and also don't believe that you are not the great, the great hope of the film industry. You are not the next Stanley Kubrick. You are the next you. And all of those people that you admire are, they all are the true versions of themselves. And that's how you should approach shorts and the film business. Do you, would you agree? hundred percent. You said that so lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and last question three of your favorite films of all time um can i say short films of all time well i mean nobody will know them <laughs> so you can uh but i wouldn't like it like oh yeah bob said it and uh, no idea but go ahead it's your it's your answer <laughs> unless they're very famous shorts that people know but it's up to you <laughs> well sure but there are shorts that are totally uh you know uh i'm sure well, for example, I was just telling somebody else that uh, Taika Watika, that's the first time I ever saw him was from a short film, Two Cars, One Night. And I'm pretty sure that is on YouTube or somewhere if you look for it. And it's okay. a great short film and you can totally see his voice in that and the kind of films that he made later. Okay. Um, and that same year, he was he was nominated for Academy Award for that short. Um, the film that did win that year was Andrea Arnold's short film, Wasp. Um, and Wasp is like one of my sh- favorite short films of all time, although it is long, um, but it is great. And I'm pretty sure that one's available too. You can Google that one. Um, and of course, she went on to be a fabulous filmmaker as well. And then um, Jane Campion, her very, it wasn't her first short film, I don't think, but one of her short film that got her a lot of attention was called Peel. Um, and that's a fabulous short film as well. So. There is one short film that I, it's, if, I, if I'm, as you were thinking, I'm like, what's my favorite short film? I'm like, what there, is was your a favorite? Short, there was a short film I saw years ago. I've had the producer on the, of the feature since then i've become friends with him and i was when i brought it out he's like holy crap you saw that i'm like yes yes i did i heard about it years ago there was a film called darkness falls um released by universal it was a horror movie the director of that made a short that had nothing to do with the movie but the short was so good that they gave him a shot to make the movie now this is a different time period but it was universal for god's sake it wasn't like an it was a huge deal and and his feature went on to do very well but the short was about what if it was a story of basically baby hitler and 
and and that they could have they actually were fighting to give birth and to make sure that this baby was born and it was baby hitler at the end of the, the movie and we were like oh it was such it was so good so well done that the production design was excellent that the, the, the camera it was beautifully lit it was really high product really highly produced shot on 35 it was gorgeous but it was like this emotional thing that you're like oh god the baby has to go the baby has to get born oh my god all this stuff is happening and then it's baby hitler you're like oh my god so good <laughs> can i just say there's so many films that, short films that have hitler or jesus as one of the characters um it's always like oh another hitler short oh another jesus short but it's because it's a character we all know right right away so when you tell me baby hitler i totally know you know what you mean and why that is etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's a and, universal and also, that we all know absolutely and one of the famous the most famous, I argue, the most successful short film to ever launch anything is The Spirit of Christmas. Yeah. Spirit of Christmas. Spirit of Christmas. Park. South Park. Yeah. The, the, the biggest short film of all time, I'm going to argue to say, I don't think there's any film that has generated more revenue yeah. than that short film, The Spirit of Christmas. A little bit of cardboard, a little bit of construction paper, cut out, animated, and it was Jesus versus Santa Claus, and it is built. I mean, what did they sell HBO? I think they said he's 150 million or 250 million. Well, I mean, think of all the merchandising alone that's come off of that. They, I think they get, I think they get 10 percent, and they still are loaded. <laughs> Can I just tell you something real quick because I know we're running out of time, but. Um, sure. I had a, a, a very good friend whose short film played Sundance in the same shorts program as Spirit of Christmas because they did invite Spirit of Christmas to play at Sundance. And nobody remembered it during the screening. He's like, nobody wanted to talk about my film. Everyone wanted to talk about that Jesus versus Santa Claus. Like, <laughs> it it blew everybody out of the water in, in a festival situation. I, you don't want to open I it for it. <laughs> I still, and this is the power of the short back then. This is before the internet. I walked into a comic book store when I was at that age, whenever that came out, I was in, I think high school or a little bit, I think it was in high school or a little bit younger than high school when that came out. And the guy behind the counter, the comic book guy said, Hey man, you want to see something? <laughs> he busted out a bootleg copy of spirit of Christmas. Cause it was bootlegged all over the place. And I saw it and my mouth was just like, what had I, what did I just see? I said, I said, Jesus fighting Santa Claus. What? This is amazing. This is a period. So, you know, and if you want to talk about voices, Jesus, yeah, Matt and, and Trey, I mean, right there's nobody else. And boy, they've written that horse, haven't they? <laughs> yes, they have. <laughs> yeah, I would too. I'd be riding that horse until the wheels fell off. <laughs> Don't you love that when people recommend, love a short film so much they want to tell you about it and encourage you to see it? That's just, that's winning right there. That's and, now, and now it's a click, not a VHS going. Now it's a click, yeah. it's email, it's a social media post. And guys, you got to watch this. But the fact that somebody's promoting it in that way with no, you know, financial in on it and just want to share with you something they love, that is wonderful. That's the highest of high. And Kim, where can people get your book and find out more about what you do? Uh, well, making big and shorts, available bookstores near you. There's not so many bookstores anymore. So let's just say, sadly, Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jeff needs to send some more rockets up into space. We got to support him. Uh, some oddly shaped rockets. Anyway, Kim, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your knowledge about shorts. Hopefully this has helped a few filmmakers avoid some pitfalls and maybe we maybe with this conversation we help launch a few careers let's hope exactly make so, a short you'll never regret it <laughs> thank you again so much for being on the show kim i appreciate you pleasure talking to you i want to thank kim so much for coming on the show and dropping her short film knowledge bombs on the tribe today thank you so much kim if you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode head over to the show notes at bulletproofscreenwriting.tv forward slash 327. Thank you so much for listening, guys. As always, keep on writing no matter what. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Bulletproof Screenwriting Podcast at bulletproofscreenwriting.tv. 